Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got an experienced CFO with me, Tony Fossey. Tony, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. It's great to be here. Tony, I said experienced CFO. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience, please? Oh, yeah, geez. Oh, a long time. Well, a total work career since I uh, started out in work is probably now about 45 years. And I've been operating at the FD stroke CFO level for about 25, 26 out of those years. I left high school, haven't done A-levels as people did back in the mid-70s for a couple of reasons, decided to go straight into work, not to uni, stumbled into an accounting career, perhaps like a lot of people, I'm certainly like a, a lot of people back then, and uh, worked for a, a, a local firm to me. I, I lived down in the, in the Wimbledon area of London, South London, and didn't realise it, but I was joining a, a global multinational then company, uh, used to or was in the oil and gas industry was one of the major contracting players in there joined their corporate finance team spent five four or five years learning the ropes of corporate reporting for them then went off and you know companies like that their business is all about delivering and executing successful contracts and projects and so I went off into the project finance project accounting world so in a very operational facing role, did that for a few years, a couple of years maybe. Then got offered a role in their in their sort of um, in one of their business units, but in a more corporate role, um, in a team that was pricing and costing tenders for their engineering and project management division, which was you know totally out of the finance organization there it was a commercial role not not a traditional finance role did that including leading that team for about four or five years um then stepped back into project finance leading major projects um you know anywhere between a few million and and 500 million let's step out of finance turn into a commercial role yeah. Do you think that had any any major bearing in experience when it came on to taking that more senior finance director CFO role later on? Absolutely. Two key elements, really. One is it, it made me more of an asset to the organisation I was working with, so they saw me in a different light. But also it increased my self-confidence because I had now recognised and had dealt with contracts and commercial and negotiations with customers and change and variation which is a key part of the contracting world that in in a pure finance role you would would never have got that near yeah and that's um, that's certainly one of the things we're seeing as the key difference between sort of having being head of finance and being finance director and cfo is one you're looking purely inside the organization the other 
really makes you start to look outside the organization, much more contact with suppliers, with customers, with investors. And that's, oh, a, yeah. that's something yeah. that for a lot of people is a very, very big challenge to make. Yeah, I, I, the job in the tendering team leading it took me all over the world in terms of, uh, you know, working with potential partners, putting tenders together. Um, you know, I remember one time in the mid 80s, I spent a month in Newfoundland putting a major offshore oil and gas tender together as part of a, a team the organization sent out there. Um, then I'd go to Denmark or I'd go to the Middle East or I'd go to South Africa. And, you know, and that's an experience that one was invaluable. And two, I would never have reasonably expected to have one at such an early stage of my career and two in, in, manner if i'd sat in a purely finance role yeah and you so very I, rarely I, send the financial financial controller off to uh, somewhere fancy like newfoundland to to close the books off do you well it wasn't closing the books it was working on a tender i was part of a team yeah, exactly. leading leading a tender and uh, yeah you're right i mean nobody goes off the month end to uh, to newfoundland for a month and i was lucky because it was such a global company to get that very early on in my career, I mean, I'd done it the opposite way around from a lot of people. I'd done my accounting exams later. You know, I was probably seven, eight years into my work career before I started my accounting exams, mm. rather than coming in, you know, today, the traditional, more traditional route might be go off and do a degree and then and then go in at an intermediate level through your exams with some exemptions and then finish them off for a year or two. And, you know, I'd done it the other way around. I'd got eight yeah. years of practical experience. And actually, I really found that made the exams a lot easier to me. They were a lot less abstract. Mm. But, yeah, so a non-traditional maybe uh, route towards the FD, CFO level later career, yes. Yeah. So we keep talking about FD and CFO. There are many arguments about the difference between those two. What do you believe the difference is? Well, I um I worked for almost 30 years for a US corporation. That's that's the corporation I joined when I left work. So the the phrase FD had no meaning in yeah. that organization. You were a CFO, you were a VP of finance, but you weren't an FD. The, the Americans had no concept of financial director. At yeah. that time, in in the mid late seventies and eighties, so to me, they're just two facets of the same coin. I, I know increasingly these days we seem to call FD one thing, and then we call CFO another thing, and we we often the world of business tends to view CFO as a wider, more all encompassing role these days than than finance director. And maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Uh, in my head, I'm interchangeable with these things because I've operated in, in those environments. Uh, yeah, and I, I think it comes to the CFO point. seems to be, for whatever reason, the next step for an FD. Yeah. Uh, but in my mind, they're, they're, they're very, very similar. Yeah, it's choice of language as much as anything. It is. Yes. It is. Yeah. Thinking about that, you came along, did that professional qualification quite late in some ways. Yes. Do you think that professional qualification is a necessity to become yes, a CFO? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I, at the day after I passed my exams, I was driving into work with my wife and the kids. 
she was going to drop me off, take the car and do some stuff. And my then boss was on the inside lane and we ran the window down. We were sitting in cure traffic as usual going into Wimbledon and he said, hop in, I'll give you a lift and your wife can turn around and take the kids, you know, go down the side road. So I hopped in and he said, that's great news about your exams. How do you feel about Bahrain? And I said, what, what do you mean? Holiday, politically, um, climate wise? He said, well, we've just won this major $150 million revamp project out there. And we could really do with putting a finance lead that we trust in there to to oversee the uh, the project. He said, look, don't give me an answer now in the car. You know, we'll give you an air ticket. Go take a look for a couple of weeks. See how you feel about about it and how they feel about you out there because they're all Americans and you're a Brit and, you know. And, um, and he said, but look, I wouldn't have offered you this two days ago. He said, you know, it's, it's passing your exams that opens up new vistas to your career. Yes. And that's it. It's a ticket to the game. It's nothing more. Yeah. I think I agree with that because when you get to a senior level, there's very little that requires technical accounting skills. There's uh, very little that you do on a day-to-day. Which book to pull out yeah. or where to go to find the technical information you need because you've forgotten it. You know, you do your exams, you're like a sponge. You yeah. sit your exam, you squeeze it out, and then you sit the next exam and, and so forth. Yeah. Um, but so that's, that's it. It's it is the ticket to the game. It's the, yes. the thing that allows you to sit to, to get through the, the sifting of the CV process and into yeah. the shortlist. And yeah. 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 So uh, moving into that top role, and do you think there's any length of time after you qualify before you're going to be ready to do the, the top role? If I had to I had to guess, I'd say it depends on the organisation, first of all. Uh, you know, it's it's possibly, it's definitely, in fact, to me, likely to be quicker in an SME than it is in a, in a large cap. You know, and the skills you need and so forth is, is more in a large cap. So it can take, I don't know, maybe three to five years in post-qualification in a large cap, I would say. In an SME, it's probably one to three years. You know, and it depends. You you may become the SME likes to call finance lead rather than CFO because again, CFO has a certain connotation in the in the employment and recruitment marketplace. And sometimes organizations and SMEs perhaps more so are reluctant to bestow those kind of titles on their finance lead because then, you know, oh we've got a CFO that person leaves, we've got to replace them, we've got to hire a CFO, and, and the market says, well, you've got to pay this much for a CFO. And, you know, it's all it's all about money and it's about status and position. And So sometimes uh, organisations sort of stay away deliberately from, from CFO. I, I've just helped an organisation I'm working with place a finance lead in there, and their high 40, 50 grand sort of salary, first finance lead, role for the organization you know we had the conversation should we call them finance director should we call them cfo and my strong advice was no not yet i would Mm. would say you probably want to call them finance manager at the moment and see how things go i said if you grow as an organization you've got ambition to scale up 
Well, then, then you know, maybe it becomes finance director in three or four years. It depends on you, the individual, uh, where the organisation is, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's not. It's not. And that, that, that's an interesting role to take if you are looking to to move up and be a CFO because you get in there with possibly most of the responsibilities but yes. not the job title yes. and you've got the opportunity to grow with the organization particularly if it's a fast-growing organization if it's uh, an organization that's looking to go through a transaction of some sort yes you learn on the job and you absolutely get and, and to my mind that's the best way to become fit for purpose as, as a cfo is to learn post-qualification mm. i think if all anybody has is a qualification and they don't have the PQE to go with it, I think they're probably missing a string to their bow in terms of readiness for the CFO role. There's a lot mm. more, a hell of a lot more to it than just having the exams. Yeah. So what, what do you think actually makes a good CFO? Oh, I think the ability to get under the skin of the organisation you're joining, you're a part of, to delve far deeper than the numbers, you know, to engage in, take responsibility for, lead and promote challenging conversations in non-finance areas. You know, I I spend so much of my time and have done in the past with non-finance people, talking to them about how is this work going? What about that? When When is this going to happen? Why have we not done, you know, the whole gamut of, conversations around the non-finance arena but bringing a finance flavor to it, a perspective yeah. um, to it. you know i wouldn't dare suggest that i could talk to a a consulting engineer about their bridge design but i can have an informed conversation with them about the progress of the job and the project and, and the responsibilities of us and the nature of the contract and and, you know, where we stand, et cetera, et cetera, you, you know, because of my experience, it makes them understand, makes helps them know that their finance lead in the organisation understands far more than just the balance sheet and the P&L. Yeah. And I, I think that, to me, is one of the big things, Tony. And I kind of refer to it as rather than understanding the accounts, which are the balance sheet and the P&L, you've got to understand the economic engine of the building yeah, business. Yeah, and take, take that example of the engineer building the bridge where you're out there and you're saying, okay, are we on time? Are we on okay. budget? Yeah. What's going wrong? What could cause our warranty clauses to become invoked? Yeah. You know, one thing I love as a finance person is going out on site visits. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Yes. And, I see much more of a role of understanding what things cost. Are they profitable? Which products are profitable? Which projects are profitable? Which customers are profitable? And the way you'd put numbers together to put a balance sheet or a P&L account together are completely different to the way you'd assess the profitability of a product or a customer. Oh, yeah. And, and it's a key element of a CFO role as well as some people in his organization to have hold the operational side of the and sales and development side of the organization accountable for what they're doing you know and so the idea of regular periodic and even ad hoc reviews of 
projects in a project environment, contracts in a contracting environment, sales organisations, etc., etc., is absolutely vital. Is to, is to, and that's what I mean by getting under the skin, is to dive deeper than the surface and to challenge in a non-threatening but in a challenging environment as a part of the, of the top team of the organisation. Well, where is it we are? Where is it we're not? Where should we be going? What do we need to do differently? And, you know, you're, you're a key member of the top team, you know, and often you're a trusted counsel to the, to the managing director, the chief executive, the chair, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you're in a very privileged position. Mm. So the, the finance guy on the on the board, obviously you, you, you've touched on the executive people that you're dealing with. What about that relationship with the, the non-execs, Tony? How, how have you found that in your career? Well, two things. First of all, you know, if you come up from the lower levels of an organisation, one, you understand what makes organisations tick at the lower level. Two, you've worked with and alongside people at all different levels in the organisation. And so you have an understanding of how to deal with them and how to talk to those people. Whereas if you don't, if you suddenly parachute in the top and you've, you've not worked in lower levels at the ground or you've forgotten how, how to relate to people, it's much more difficult. You know, people at all levels want to talk to you about their job. They want to talk to you about how they're doing and, and what they're doing well and, and what could go better. And, you know, I've always found that people open up, not always on, you know, the first few sentences or the first meeting, but people want to open up and share what they're doing with you. And it's vital, you, you know, what do they call it in leadership circles? Management by walking about. Yes. I love that idea as well. It's, yeah. It works so well. Yeah. And I do think that's a challenge in taking on some of the more senior roles with a finance yeah. background because you're, you're so used to sitting at your desk with spreadsheets, columns of figures, lots of analysis to do, lots of reports to write. But the natural thing is you only feel as though you're working when you're doing that sort of stuff. You're working just as much when you're yeah. out there and talking to people. Yes. I mean, it's a silly little analogy, but my wife years ago moaned at me one evening when I got home from work. She says, I'll try and get hold of you. Phone the office. They can't find you. You're never at your desk. Well, that's my job, is, is not to be stuck to my desk in my office. You know, if I'm stuck there all the time, I'm not out talking to the organisation, learning, contributing, challenging understanding you know so sorry but i'm not welded to the telephone mm. so tony that that is a big area of, of challenge for somebody who might be might be new into a cfo role and yeah. might be used to doing all of that detailed finance work how do you make that change from being chained to your desk to managing by walking about well in so in the organizations i grew up in it was you know site visits having uh, periodic review meetings with project management personnel business unit leaders those kind of things it was finding situations that you could become involved in that contributed to your rounder approach to to your role and making sure 
that you have a good, solid team working for you. I mean, it's it's not going to succeed if you've got a either a, an under-resourced or a weak team underneath you and you're hardly ever at your desk because you're constantly out on site visits because, you know, it's like Nero fiddling while Rome burns. You, you must have a dependable team. And we're all only as good as the team we, who work for us. I mean, we really are. You know, you, you can't do both. You can't be out there engaging with the wider organisation, but you've got to sit in, in your office, you know, for days on end doing the monthly consolidation. You, you just can't do both. Nobody can and they shouldn't, shouldn't try. So you've got to have a properly resourced in terms of numbers and in terms of skills and experience team underneath you. It's vital. So, and certainly something we teach on the future CFO program is in the latter lessons is blue, make putting together a blueprint for your new finance function yes. and how to spend your first hundred days in that job. And certainly yeah. something we emphasize is think about the team you need to support you. Yeah. I really do think that having that solid number two you can rely on for the numbers and to keep the day-to-day finance ticking over is vital so that you can go and do the the more strategic not absolutely and the way to to sell that to a number two is that this is a development opportunity for them which is that you know if i'm not fully uh, involved day to day every day with with the detail of the numbers the report management reporting financial reporting etc that gives you great opportunity for personal development and, and sets you up nicely in your own quest to eventually step on and become a CFO. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tony, you talked about that big international company that you worked for many years. Yeah. Now, how often do you think a finance person should be moving around? Well, I was really lucky, Kevin. I would say I probably had a dozen different roles in in those 30, 29, 30 years with them. The only thing that felt consistent was the name on the top of the paycheck. But, you you know, in large organisations, they tend to be organised into units. And I was moving from units and geographies and all sorts of stuff. In terms of a role, I would say, and of course, it's changed a lot recently, you know, with new generations, people's approaches are different. My personal view is we used to look at anybody who'd been in a role for less than three years as being a little um, flighty. And I would say these days I would see them being in a role for no more than five, absolute max seven years. Uh, But it does depend on, you know, increasing challenge in, in that and again, if you're in a global multinational, you can get that that experience from within the organisation just as easily as moving moving companies. So I don't necessarily mean move companies. You you know, if you can get a 35 year career and it's it's giving you challenge and excitement and reward and growth in the same organisation, then why not? Exactly. And particularly if that organization can give you the opportunity to move out of finance for a little while. It's, oh, yeah. My, yeah. my key learning from, from talking to Tony is the, the amount of experience you got from taking on a commercial role. 
at a relatively yeah. early stage in your career. Yeah. And certainly I was talking to our, one of our new mentors on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Helen, and she gave me very much the same story of her career in financial services, that she learned an awful lot by moving sideways into roles that could give her experience out of finance rather than all the time looking for a, a promotion within yeah. finance. And there will be a lot of people, and I had it at the time, in the finance organisation who caution you against that because of how it might look on your CV. Because if you're a finance person, you want, you know, the classic view of a CV is to have progression upwards in a finance organisation. But the good thing these days seems to be that people view this this non-finance and it doesn't have to be commercial. In theory, it could be operational, but it's probably, you know, not quite as near to finance, but it could be. Uh, it shows width. Um, and, and I agree that not everybody and people should not be looking for every move to, to be an upward move next time. I think it's about breadth. As much as depth. Yeah, absolutely. So, Tony, you said that your career spans more than 40 years. Mm. I know we tried to record this podcast uh, a week ago and you had to cancel the last minute because of a work commitment. So you're clearly still going strong. What's the next challenge for Tony Fossey? Oh, well, I, I decided a couple of years or so ago that, you know, having done this so hard, for so long and you know when you're working one of the the flip side of the excitement and challenge of working for global multinationals is that you're all over the place you spend way too much time in planes and airports and and a lot of time away from home and family and so I decided it was time to ease off the gas pedal and so I gave up full-time work and, and went looking for part-time work it's a strange market, the world of part-time work. We could call it portfolio. And I've never been one to want to work for six or seven different companies to make up a week's worth of work. But I'm currently supporting a couple of different organisations. I'm doing two rather different roles for them. Um, one, I'm just uh, taking on... It's not called NED, but it's an NED role. I'm I'm in at board meetings, but I'm also providing wise counsel to the finance lead that I talked about earlier that we've hired, supporting them to to make them feel as though there's a there's a voice and a sounding ball for them, and that's really really great. It's taking your years of experience and passing it on to somebody else to to hopefully help them lessen the impact of the inevitable mistakes that they're going to make we all make mistakes anybody who says they don't is is a fool and, and has a jaundiced view of their history yeah. so the challenge is to support them with these things and then there's another organization i'm supporting and at the moment i'm undergoing a systems review for them they're looking to acquire a new system it's an operational sort of job costing and analysis system but it ties in it's going to tie into their finance system and they want someone to uh, give them a bit of help there. They just don't have the bandwidth to be able to get to it. So, you know, a couple of days a week worth of work. I also am a finance trustee for a local charity, and I help them a day a week. And, you know, between three days a week of 
sort of work. And then then the, the bits that you can't confine to the three days where they want to call on a... I had a call, uh, you know, yesterday with one of them and, uh, you know, wasn't working for them. So, um, you know, it all adds up. And to Indeed. me, it's just great fun. And that's that's where I see my future for the next few years. Um, yeah, you know. I, I think that follows my philosophy as well, Tony, that providing you're enjoying it, yep. you're having fun doing it, well, how many years of of age are cropping up on the on the calculator doesn't really matter. No, and in our world, in our finance world, you know, we work with our noddle, and yeah. uh, you know, so that's our that's our major muscle in terms of um, of our work career. And it becomes and, more and, and it needs to about... be constantly exercised. Yeah. And it becomes more and more about giving something back and passing on skills to the next generation. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, that's I've been doing charity trustee work for, I don't know, the best part of 15 years now. And that's the major reason I do it. it it's, of course, pro bono, but it, it helps organisations who need it, um, yes. you know, in, in a way they don't have access to mostly. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about giving back as you get later on in your career. And for me, it's always been, even when I was in a, in a full-time employee role, it was always about developing my people and, and my team because, you know, as I said earlier, I would have been dead in the water without them. And so, you know, it's it's a two-way process and it's really important to help the next generation come up. Absolutely. Tony, it has been fascinating chatting to you today on the Grow CFO Show. Thank you very much for joining me. Kevin, you're most welcome. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I will continue to watch Grow CFO go from strength to strength from the sideline. Thank you.